0: Hey, and welcome back to the Wooden Cross. This is episode number two, and following from the last episode, today we'll be discussing on the road to eternal life, the practice of Christian virtues. So, this is your host Im Long, and let's begin. In our last episode, I've expounded how we share in the divine life of God through the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So in continuation with the theme on the road to eternal life, in this episode, we would want to look at the practice of Christian virtues so that we grow in our faith and belief, and that our faith becomes productive and effective. So the question that we are asking today is, is the acceptance of Jesus Christ as our personal savior a sure ticket to heaven? Or is faith without action justified for us to be called as a good Christian? When we look into the passage of 1st Peter, chapter 1, 1 to 15, there we will see that Peter has expounded to what we have already discussed in the last episode. Now, Peter says that since we have the divine knowledge, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and goodness. So, Peter is saying that through this, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So, if you divide the passage into two sections, the first part deals with what we have already discussed in the last episode about sharing the divine nature of God. And in the second passage, Starting from verse 5, we'll see that Peter points out certain Christian virtues believers must practice in order that our faith becomes more productive and effective. Before moving into the Christian virtues, let's look a little bit about the knowledge of Christ. Now, Peter reminds us that through the saving knowledge of Christ, we are not condemned but the divine power has given us everything we need for life, the zoe life. And goodness, because of our knowledge of Christ, we have acquired with the acceptance of Christ. So This knowledge, the knowledge of Christ, enables us to participate in the divine life of God and escaping the earthly corrupted life. As mentioned, this life that Peter talks about is the very life of God, the zoe life. It is an abundant life of the highest quality, a life that overflows with all the good things. So, in this passage, Peter points out two very significant points concerning life. That is, one, that this life does not come from man himself, meaning we exist at the will of God. And number two, this life is not in man and of man himself, meaning We are not of our own. Your life is not a result of your own making. So it simply means that our acceptance of Jesus Christ is the completion of our transformation from our old life to a new life. This metamorphosis or transformation as we call it, is a complete change of our inner and outer self. Just as a larva transforms into a beautiful butterfly, our life goes through transformation from bios to zoe life. This transformation cannot be reversed. Having transformed, you cannot go back to your old self. Because when we share the divine life of God, we get a new self, a new identity. Hence, we are made new in the attitudes of our mind. And we get a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. As Paul expounded in Ephesians chapter four verses twenty three and twenty four having confirmed with our new identity, Paul continues to exhorts the believers to be sure of our calling and commitment so that we do not fall back into our old self and lose the reward of the eternal kingdom. So we are called not to be an idle Christians, but our faith must be an action oriented faith. And we are called to egg our faith if we want to be effective and productive in our knowledge of Christ. Like the nine fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians, Bitter Hair expounds about seven qualities that we must add to our faith. The word aid in Greek means Ipichoregon, which means in addition to God's great salvation. That means having the knowledge of our salvation is not enough, but we must add these seven qualities in order that our faith becomes more productive and effective. We must work hard to achieve these virtues in addition to the salvation we have already acquired. So what are the seven qualities that Peter expounds here? One is goodness. So what does it mean when we say that he or she is a good person? So how do you judge a goodness of ourselves or others? Here Peter talks about moral excellence and goodness of character. Goodness involves righteousness in our action and doing what is right. The life of Jesus Christ is the perfect example of goodness as he died on the cross for the sins of humanity in order to give us eternal life. So in the same way, Matthew 5.16 says that In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So our conduct, our action, our behavior, our relationship must reflect the goodness of God in our life. So that's what it means to be good. The second virtue we must follow is knowledge. That means acquiring wisdom and adding to the knowledge of the kingdom of God. So what does it mean? Knowledge does not come from idleness, but we must pursue the knowledge of God through the reading of his word. So Peter is encouraging the believers not to be satisfied or contented with what we already know and heard, but we must continuously work our salvation by equipping ourselves by seeking Him through the hidden words of the Bible. The third virtue is self-control which means to master our physical body to give away from the lusts of the flesh and eyes. If we let the desires of our flesh control our life then our life will soon spin out of control in contrary to what God has commanded. Self-control is a discipline that grows in us when we continually choose to die to our flesh and live in Him. So we cannot continue to sin while at the same time living the life of God. So Peter encourages the believers that since we share in the divine life of God, that we must put a hole, that we must be able to control the desires of our flesh. The fourth virtue is perseverance. Preserverance doesn't mean that we must keep on putting up with all the trials and tribulations of life. We are bound to face failures. We will be confronted with different issues, trials, sufferings in our life. So instead of letting our life overshadowed by the different trials and tribulations of life, Peter here encourages the believers to stand strong, to stand with the spirit that is able to face the challenges and that actively goes about conquering and overcoming them. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Chains are broken. And our life can be more meaningful and more fruitful even under trials and tribulations when we have the Spirit of God with us. The next virtue is godliness. The New Testament word for godliness conveys a personal attitude towards God that results in actions that are pleasing to Him. So this personal attitude towards God is what we call devotions to God. But this devotion is always devotion in action. It is not just a warm emotional feeling about God, the kind of feeling we may get while singing some hymns or some songs or while we worship God. But neither is this devotion to God merely a time of private Bible reading and prayer a practice sometimes we call as devotions. Although these devotions are widely important for our Christian growth, so this devotion or godliness that Biro talks about is not just an activity. It is not an activity, but it is an attitude towards God. And this attitude is composed of three essential elements. The number one, the fear of God, the love of God, and the desire of God. So all these three elements focuses upon God. So the practice of godliness is an exercise or discipline that focuses upon God. The sixth virtue is brotherly kindness. So what does it mean to love our brother? Here Peter conveys the idea that since God is Father and men are his sons, they are therefore brothers of one another. As sonship is the most essential factor in man's right relation to God, so is brotherhood in his relation to his fellow man. Brotherhood is first known as the relation between sons of the same parent, a relation of tender affection and benevolence. It becomes gradually extended to the kindred and the members of the same tribe or nation. And the Christian ideal of society is that a similar relation should exist between all men without any limits or distinction. Agape love is the word in the New Testament that generally denotes this idea. And the Bible verse, Thou shall love thy neighbor, is an apt verse that denotes the law of conduct as between man and man. And neighbors includes every man within one's reach, even enemies. And without the love of man, the love of God is impossible. And the last virtue is love. There are many different ideas about the definition of love even in the Bible, but to simply put, when we look into the New Testament, the life The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ displays the complete exposition of love in its fullest meaning. In the life and death of Christ, we see in a new way what God's love is and what man's love for God and for others should be. And through faith, the Spirit of Christ living in us enables us to follow His example. So these are the seven virtues that Peter exhorts the believers to aid with the knowledge of Christ. The New Living Translation has put this verse beautifully. It reads, So make every effort to apply these promises to your life. Then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. A life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better. Knowing God leads to self-control. Self-control leads to passion endurance, and passion endurance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to love for others, and finally, you will grow to have genuine love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more you will become productive and useful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be aware that these qualities does not come automatically they require hard work, neither are these virtues optional for a Christian life. We must know that these virtues cannot be pursued in ones and twos. You cannot have godliness and lack self-control. You cannot have knowledge and lack goodness. But all the seven virtues must work together in order to lead a life pleasing to God. Our faith must go beyond mere belief, it must become a dynamic part of all we do resulting in good fruit and spiritual maturity. Salvation does not depend on becoming a new person or a new self. It is these virtues which becomes the litmus test to evaluate whether we are growing in our faith. So that's all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in once again and I'll catch you next week.